Now back to the happy hour with Nick Sainert and Enrique Alvarez Clary on 93.7 The Ticket and theticketfm.com. Back here on the happy hour, 93.7 The Ticket, theticketfm.com. Nick and Rico with you. We now go to the Honda of Lincoln Hotline, where we are joined by Jacob Padilla of Hale Varsity. Jacob, it has been a couple weeks. How's everything going, man? Hey, I'm doing pretty well. I'm starting off uh, 2022, uh, much like uh, 2021 ended with uh, Nebraska not able to get over the hump <laughs> yeah yeah let's let's go ahead and do that we'll, we'll talk about that um Ohio State obviously last night Nebraska had a shot two free throws with uh, 22 seconds left I mean what did you just see overall in terms of Nebraska's game plan going in for attacking a guy like EJ Liddell and using Derek Walker what did you see all all in last night's game yeah they did a great job of limiting Ohio State's main strength mm-hmm. and that's that's the post-up offense and yeah. with both uh, Key and Liddell, and they did a great job between uh, Derek Walker on his own, sending timely double teams, Latman taking uh, a, a, a turn here and there. They did a great job. I mean, Liddell was two of fourteen from the field. This is this honestly this would probably be the worst game that Liddell has all season. I'd be surprised if he has one worse than that. And Key barely was uh, barely was a factor on offense. Seven points, just took five shots. So they did a great job of limiting the the post offense for Ohio State. The problem is uh, they just had other guys take advantage of those opportunities. Mm-hmm. And Malachi Branham, a freshman who was 5 of 15 from three going into the game on the season, uh, had scored 63 points in ten in their first 10 games, just absolutely went off. And he had 21 in the first half, scored 35 for the game, was 6 of 10 from three. And things were just way too easy for him. And then Jamari Wheeler hit some big shots as well. So, I mean, Nebraska won the battle in the paint, uh, surprisingly, and they they won the free throw uh, attempts battle. But Ohio State, who is a good three-point shooting team, but they weren't super high volume so far, um, just had their best three-point shooting game of the season. And some of that is Nebraska giving up wide-open looks. They didn't rotate as well as they needed to. Um, but some of them is just, them hitting shots as well. And that's the problem with Nebraska is they just, at this point, they they can do things well. They just can't sustain it for yeah. 40 minutes or even long stretches. Yeah, it's all about sustainability. Yeah, you mentioned they, they did a good job taking away their post-game double-teaming down there, which un, unfortunately led to some open threes. You, you talk about a guy like Derek Walker. We've talked about him quite a bit on this show. Um, put in a good performance, a really good performance for you last night. 15 points in 34 minutes, 10 boards as well. How how big of a role is Derek Walker having to play in, and how well has he done so far this season? Yeah, and uh, you mentioned the the numbers or the double double, but he does so many little yeah. things well as well that help you win. Just with his positioning defensively, his fight on the glass. I mean, that charge he stepped in and took on mm-hmm. EJ Liddell was a huge play because Walker had three himself at that point. Yeah, but he he got to the spot, he established himself, and took the hit from Liddell, and then a few possessions later, I think, great box out on, on a long rebound to, to draw Liddell's fourth foul. And then he went down, and That's right. uh, he was the source of their offense. They had He basically scored, I think it was at seven in a row down the stretch there when Nebraska took the lead. Mm-hmm. Um, so he was just huge doing all the little things, putbacks. There's still 
kind of finding out um, ways to play through him. Uh, they needed to probably do it a little bit more. He's not he's not Riddell in, uh, in terms of what Riddell's been this season, in terms of a guy that just giving the ball and he can go create. Athleticism, still got to yeah. find ways to get him good opportunities. But he did show in that game. He had a couple face-up buckets, a couple post-up buckets where um, he did go create his own offense. I mean, mo- most of the season, a-, a lot of what he's scoring is created from the guards, and he's just in the right place at the right time and doing a great job of finishing. But he did have some self-creation flashes in this game. So that's something that Fred Hoiberg has said that they're trying to do more is play through him. And I, I think uh, a lot of their best possessions – involved him touching the ball, even if he wasn't the guy that went and made the play. Just playing through him, getting some movement, that'll create more openings in the defense and give guys better opportunities uh, to get good looks. So he's got to continue to be a main part of what they do. He's not going to shoot 80% the rest of the season. Again, he was 6-10 of 10 in this one, although one of those was kind of that put back at the, at the end of regulation. That was just a really great defensive play. There wasn't really much yeah. much else he could do with the time on the clock. He just kind of had to catch and try to put it back in, and the defender was right there at the right time. But um, he's not going to shoot 80%, but, like, you get 60% and a double-double out of him. Um, that, that Those are really good numbers, and they're going to have to continue to, to feature him moving forward. Uh, Jacob, I was I was really impressed with uh, Bryce McGowan's aggressiveness. Obviously, you want him to hit more of those shots, um, but I was impressed with the way that he was going to the bucket and he didn't seem very tentative when he did so. And to me, that that is a sign of him getting more comfortable uh, in the in the college game, more comfortable going up against you know guys that are bigger than him and, and Big Ten defenses. Um, what did you take away from from his aggressiveness? Yeah, that uh, the. Better than two to one, two point to three point attempt ratio is probably where he needs to be, and he did. He had some really nice stretches where he he, he made some plays when they really needed it. Went to, uh, put his head down and went hard to the rim, and that that is something though that they're going to have to continue to to find and learn. And Horberg's got to kind of help him, teach him how to how to be most effective because he does have to find a way to to finish at a better rate. And we're seeing him get to the rim and kind of throwing up some wild shots just because he's not strong enough to kind of get his shoulders squared, create that contact, and finish straight at the rim. It's all kind of trying to finish around the defenders, going away from the basket once he gets into the paint. Um, It's taking some contact and not getting a call and not able to finish through it. Um, He's got to find a way to, to be more efficient, but that was a good first step compared to some of the recent games where He's taking more threes than twos and, and not really getting to the foul line a lot. He made some big plays in that game. You just got to find a way to, to kind of harness that ability that allows him to make those plays and limit some of the ones where you, you see him shoot six of 19 from the field. We're speaking to Jacob Padilla of Hale Varsity. Jacob, so I'm curious to hear your thoughts on Alonzo Verge after last night, right? Um, it played in eight minutes in the second half, uh, 22 in all. And at sometimes they had Kobe Webster with Alonzo Verge on the floor, which has kind of been a topic of discussion recently about having you know Alonzo Verge off ball guard on or you know being the main the the point guard Kobe Webster being the point guard out there. What are your thoughts on Alonzo Verge, and do you think we may see more um, time of Kobe Webster and Alonzo Verge out there at the same time? Yeah, it was kind of interesting. The, uh, Verge played the, the first eight or so minutes of the second half, and then. Hoiberg sat him for the rest of the game, yeah. and he 
he wasn't great. Uh, he had he had a nice little stretch there when they made um, that 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 ten zero run to take the lead, um, where he had he assisted on three of their four buckets during that stretch. Mm-hmm. Um, and he but he finished with four assists. He, he was one of six from the field, um, four of six from the line. Hoiberg just didn't didn't love what he was seeing from him, and he thought that they, things were flowing a little bit better with. Um, Webster and Bryce as kind of the main ball handlers. And that worked for a while. Mm-hmm. The problem is uh, it eventually kind of ran out of magic with that group um, down the stretch and into overtime where um, you would have loved to have a guy like Verge on that last possession because the, the look Kobe Webster created just wasn't wasn't a great one. Um, and uh, we've seen a guy like Verge be able to create something out of nothing in those late uh, those kind of late clock situations, although he didn't get the call against NC State, he should have. Um, but it's hard to put a guy back in for one possession who's been sitting on the bench for like half an hour at that point. Mm-hmm. So uh, Hoiberg did mention he was uh, he, he was good on the bench with his energy, cheering guys on. It wasn't like he was sulking or anything about not getting the opportunity, so that's good. But I, I think we saw in overtime they just didn't have enough creation. So it's it's gonna. We've talked about it before. It's gonna continue to be a, a give and take game with Verge. I think all season because Hoiberg's got to continue to find a way to to get the positives out of him as much as he can because he does things that nobody else on this team is capable of. But it also comes with kind of trade offs and some of the shot selection, some of the defensive um, issues. That, that those are all present as well. So it's gonna be kind of um, a feeling out process for Hoiberg all season. There are games where. He's going to play 35 minutes, and he's going to he's going to be the only guy really going for them. And you need him out there. Game like this, Hoiberg thought they could get by uh, with, with other guys, and those guys made made some good plays, um, but uh, ultimately they weren't able to to pull out the win. But again, that's Verge. You're going to see him. I think kind of game to game. It'll depend on how things are going, how he's playing and how the other guys are playing in terms of who's going to be out there in, in those big moments. Jacob, Nebraska finished the game with nine steals. It seems as if they were pl- doing a really good job of playing the passing lanes. Has that been more of an emphasis for this Nebraska basketball team is to to get more steals and try to get out on the fast breaks to to limit you know the, the shots for the other team and, and you know avoid having to battle for rebounds? Yeah, that's something that they've been kind of – trying to do throughout the season it's it's come and go uh, in terms of success um but they are probably better at creating havoc more so than being disciplined and really locking in and uh kind of putting together a really fundamental uh possession where you're forcing up a tough shot laying the clock out boxing out and then getting the board um they that was one of their better defensive efforts but again they weren't able to sustain it they weren't able to put together a complete effort where you did a great job of limiting things in the paint. You, you forced a lot of turnovers, but then you also gave up a lot of threes and there were some weak rotations. There was some really bad transition defense and that's been an issue with this team. So they, they are a little bit more gamble, uh, kind of gamble oriented by nature than they are sound. So when they're playing that right, that, that, that can be effective. You can get turnovers, you can get steals and that will fuel Nebraska's transition offense. Um, but they've got to make sure that they're not getting beat more often than they are uh, forcing those turnovers when they do get kind of little gamble heavy. A couple more for you. Jacob Padilla of Hale Varsity joining us here on Monday instead of Tuesday. All right, looking ahead, they have 
Michigan State on the road, Rutgers on Saturday, and then Illinois on next Tuesday. I mean, outside of just shooting better, what does Nebraska need to improve on if they if they want to try to steal one of these games? Yeah, this is a really tough stretch, although we saw what Northwestern, um, mm-hmm. kind of the trouble troubles they gave to Michigan State, um, where they had the halftime lead, and um, Michigan State really had to rally and uh, close that game strong to get that win. Uh, Rutgers isn't as strong as it has been uh, the last couple of years, but uh, that's also a really tough place to play. Um, so it's they're going to – obviously the shooting is a big part of it. Nebraska shot but about 35% from three, which is decent. That, that was enough to allow them to be in that game and give yeah. them a chance. Um, but it's going to be defense. Like They're going to have to find a way to – Stay in front of guys, you, you know, and this is where they really miss Trey McGowan's. I, I think they, they probably have a chance to win that Ohio State game if they've got McGowan's because I feel like he could have limited some of uh, those takes of the basket for Branham. Um, and then I felt like they'd probably win the NC State game with McGowan's because he would have done a better job on Darren Sebron than uh, than anybody they had out there. So um, he's, but he's he's still a couple weeks away. So the guys that are out there are going to have to find a way to, to dig down, get in the stance, and stay in front of people because it's just too easy uh, when teams really need a bucket to get by Nebraska's perimeter defenders. Um, so it's going to it's going to start on the defensive end, and you got to hope that the, the threes fall enough to for them to score enough points. Yeah, that's a really good point. All right, last question. It's not a Husker Hoops related question, but it's a uh, high school question. You were out at the Metro tournament last week. I, the shot clock was involved. Tell us wh- how did that all go? Um, what what's the future looking like for a possible shot clock in high school basketball? Update us on that. Yeah, I thought it went really well. Um, I I don't think it had a huge impact. Nice. Um, I thought mostly teams were what they were going to be, whether the shot clock was there or not. It impacted a few games. There was a couple mistakes here or there, whether it's the operator, the officials, whatever it may mm-hmm. be. Uh, but for the most part, it was pretty smooth. And then going from watching the, the high school games uh, at the Metro tournament to watching the hack finals down at Lincoln Southeast on Thursday where they didn't have the shot clock again, you did notice the difference, uh, particularly late in, the, late in the quarters and then in the fourth quarter um, where teams, they had to keep playing. They weren't able to, to hold for one shot with a minute left. And they weren't able to kind of start going to stall mode with seven minutes left in the fourth quarter and a seven-point lead. Yeah. Um, you had to keep executing down to the stretch. So I think that's where the biggest impact of a shot clock is because um, uh, most of the time like teams are going to get a shot up within the first 30, possession, 30 seconds of a possession. So they weren't rushed too much. Um, I, I think there was probably maybe one violation probably not even one violation a game uh, for all the games at, at the holiday tournament, at least for the ones that I was there to see. Yeah. So uh, I think it was a pretty, it was pretty well received. I think it went pretty well and it'll have to continue to work its way through kind of the voting process um, with the NSAA and everything there. But I think we're heading towards that, at least in class A to start. Uh, I think this is a good trial run and I'm sure that uh, I think they're happy with how it went. Yeah, I was going to ask, so what's like the next step? Is there a vote? Do you have any information on like what the next step is? Yeah, I don't know exactly okay. where they are. I know there are um, all these various different stages that it has to get through in terms of voting and committees mm-hmm. and all that sort of thing. Um, I think th- this was a big first step, but they've Good. also, um, I think some some of the previous ones, there have been some momentum um, towards putting this in place. 
Um, it, it just comes down to, um, I, I don't know when the next meeting is where this w- will be brought up. I, I'm not as familiar with the NSA calendar and all that, mm-hmm. um, but I think we are heading in that direction. Awesome. Jacob, appreciate it as always. Thanks again um, for moving up a day. We appreciate it. Good stuff as always. We'll talk to you next Tuesday. Sounds good. That is Jacob Padilla of Hale Varsity. Appreciate um, him coming on every week and especially on a day early. Yeah, really interesting stuff. I, I'm very intrigued. High school basketball, shot clock, I think that's something Nebraska definitely needs down the road. I like the um, idea. Me and Rico, we've both, and I'm sure a lot of listeners out there too, seen too many high school games where there's two, two-and-a-half-minute possessions in the final couple minutes of the game. I hate it. And, it, and it's really, really it, – it's kind of annoying, unfortunately. All right, let's take our final time out. Get you ready for uh, Bach and his new show from 3 to 6. Strickland joins at 4. I think I'm going to hang out with him for from 3 to 4. We might bring him in for this final segment. We don't know. We'll figure it out. Either way, we'll wrap up the happy hour next on 93.7 The Ticket. Download our app by searching 93.7 The Ticket in your app store to stay in touch and listen all day long wherever you are. More of the happy hour is next on 93.7 The Ticket and theticketfm.com.